glad you're here. This is season seven, and we are really just getting started with our conversation about summer blockbusters. Last episode, we took a not-so-deep dive into 1975's Jaws, which in many ways gave birth to the summer blockbuster, and during that episode, we determined all of the reasons why I would most definitely not have survived that particular adventure. Today's movie is a little different. There is a lack of urgency, despite the fact that the United States is apparently in a war that no one else really seems to know about or is showing any concern for. So little concern that we're not even told who we're fighting. There are just MiGs flying around that are apparently dangerous. But we'll get to the ins and outs of that whole situation in just a few. Yes, that does mean that today we're discussing 1986's Top Gun. Before we dive into the movie, I did a little research. I know, lazy research, but a little research. The real Top Gun started out of a trailer in the parking lot of what was then the Naval Station Air Station in Miramar, San Diego. The school trained Navy pilots during the Vietnam War and was started after the ALT report. Uh, this report from Navy Captain Frank ALT that pointed out performance issues that were causing the death of a lot of servicemen in the war. So the Navy Fighter Weapons School was established in 1969, and there was a definite increase in the Navy's kill ratio. So what they were learning at Top Gun was really working. So today, most of the graduates from Top Gun go back to the fleet and the fleet's weapons schools to then teach other crewmen while some become instructors who carry on the school's tradition of excellence. But according to IMDb, if you mention the movie at any time, you have to pay $5, which I think is hilarious. In the director's seat, we have Tony Scott, a British-born director and producer who just so happens to be the younger brother of Ridley Scott, which I think is cool. Did not know he had a brother. <laughs> not a bad filmography. He Tony is also known for directing Days of Thunder, of course, with Tom Cruise as well. The Last Boy Scout, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire and Unstoppable, among others. So it looks like he's also worked with Denzel Washington a few times. If you've not seen Unstoppable, don't sleep on that one. I love that movie. Uh, Denzel Washington and Chris Pine, The Runaway Train, um, Rosario Dawson's in it as well. It has just that high intensity, uh, what's going to happen. There's clearly something bad is going to happen at a certain time. Can they stop it before that happens? So Maybe check out Unstoppable. Maybe we'll talk about it at some point. The writing credits went to Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. They must have been writing partners because they have almost the same, exact same IMDb list, which includes the screenplays for Turner and Hooch, Dick Tracy, <laughs> which is not great, but and Anaconda, which just seems like a very strange mix of movies. Top Gun, of course, came out on May 16th, 1986, and of course, starred Tom Cruise as Maverick, Anthony Edwards as Goose, Kelly McGillis as Charlie, and Val Kilmer as Ice. I think it's kind of funny that IMDb gives Tim Robbins second billing. I know it's because of his career, which has been great, but Merlin didn't have anything to do in Top Gun. Goose dies, and he's fifth on the list. Sorry, spoiler, Goose dies. 1986 was a big summer for movies. I'm going to follow up that statement by saying that 1986 included several movies that I grew up watching as a kid multiple times. Were they great movies? Not all of them, no, at all. Um, but a lot that you're going to you know, recognize. Top Gun definitely won at the box office, but you also have Short Circuit, Johnny Five, uh, Invaders from Mars, which was... A movie that stuck with me as being very scary. Uh, there's a scene where this little boy who he is seeing all of these people kind of turn into um, pod people 
in a sense that they they're they're being invaded by the Martians. There's something with pennies and he had to stick like a penny in the back of his parents' head. That one always just kind of creeped me out. You had Space Camp, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Karate Kid Part 2, Labyrinth, Big Trouble in Little China, The Great Mouse Detective, Aliens, and Maximum Overdrive. Oh, and Flight of the Navigator. And the Transformers, the movie, and Stand By Me. See what I mean? Should Maximum Overdrive be included in the list of good movies? No, but come on. It's about how all of the machines go sentient when Earth crosses the tail of a comet. Stephen King has the strangest, most beautiful imagination. It's terrifying, and I don't really read Stephen King, but it's fascinating to me. While Top Gun had mixed reviews from critics, it did amazing at the box office. The budget was an estimated $15 million, and it grossed over $180 million domestically and over $350 million worldwide. After a slow first four weeks, the number of theaters showing it increased by 45%. Uh, And there was also... Do you remember when King's Island in Cincinnati was Paramount's King's Island? It's when I was, I don't know, middle school, high school, that was when I was growing up, that's what it was. And a lot of the rides were themed from Paramount movies. And they had the Top Gun uh, roller coaster. It's kind of back off in the woods. You got onto this gray um, car of sorts. So you were actually sitting in a seat and the person next to you was in kind of you know, the same cabin thing. And you really did feel like you were flying. It was one that kind of hang it, hang, hanging. (laughs) I know words was suspended from the track. You weren't sitting on the track. You were suspended below it. Uh, I just, I always, and they played some of the music as you were walking up, you could hear just the famous iconic soundtrack as you were walking up to the, I miss that. They, they have dropped the Paramount and dropped all um, you know, connections to movies, which is kind of sad, but that has always, I've always remembered that, that I, I loved the Top Gun ride at Paramount's Kings Island. I would find it hard to believe that you're unfamiliar with this particular movie, but we're, you're going to get a, a summary nonetheless. So two hotshot Navy pilots, Maverick and Goose, get sent to the premier training facility in California known as Top Gun after a better pilot named Cougar loses his cool in the air when they come up Pun and MIG. And as far as we're told, a MIG is a bad guy. From where? No one knows. What they want? Also, no one knows. They are just unidentified enemy aircraft flying somewhere in the world. I, I did read somewhere where like somebody's like, it has to be Iran. I, I don't know. They didn't tell me that. At Top Gun, Maverick and Goose compete with other pilots to become the best of the best. In their free time, They play sweaty volleyball at the beach. Maverick attempts to seduce a civilian instructor who should totally know better, uh, but falls for him anyway. And Goose sings great balls of fire at a local dive while his adoring wife that just happens to be Meg Ryan joins in as well. But when a training flight goes wrong and Goose dies, they have to, you know, use the parachutes and get out of the plane because they're in a spin. They can't get out of uh, that's, Maverick seems destined to follow Cougar's fate and leave flying forever. That's until the MiGs show back up and he's needed for national security. Our Top Guns, of course, come out on top and everyone we presume lives happily ever after. But now for the question of whether or not the movie still holds up. Actually, it's not bad. 
Could it use some more women? Absolutely. Or, or diversity of any sort? Yes. At least the sequel does bring in a female pilot. Would I have preferred the intelligent, sophisticated, ambitious lady in the movie not fall for a student and potentially compromise her position? Yes, I would. And would it have been nice to actually be told what was going on in the world to make this MIG thing so dangerous? Yes, that would have been nice. Despite all of that, the soundtrack remains exceptional and iconic. Val Kilmer as Iceman just will never get old. And Tom Cruise is still very believable as the overly confident pilot who just can't stay out of trouble, but you kind of love him anyway. It's the perfect kind of summer blockbuster. It's mindless, it's ridiculous, and it's just a lot of fun. Now, the important question. Would I have survived in Top Gun? Competition is not in my nature. It's very unlikely that I would have made it into Top Gun anyway, seeing as how I can't even ride a roller coaster that goes upside down. <laughs> I like them. I love roller coasters. My body does not. But let's just say I got there. I'd have a rough time, though, trying to pretend to shoot my fellow pilots. Uh, I just, I don't think I could do it. Like, oh, I've lined you up. I had to use the guns when they're doing all that. I just don't think I could do that. And as for the mysterious MiGs, I would probably try to radio them first uh, and kind of have a conversation while they were actively shooting missiles at me about like, why are you upset? How can I help you? What would you like me to do to make this all go away? <laughs> so that's one reason. <laughs> the second reason, pilots are amazing, even commercial pilots, but Military pilots are something else. To be able to keep your cool in the air while being chased and weaving through canyons and dangerous terrain is mind-boggling. I would only be able to focus on one of those tasks at a time. Thus, it is very likely that I would accidentally fly directly into the side of a mountain or canyon. It's just the truth. Uh, and going that fast? No. Um, I, I don't crash cars, which I think is just amazing for my track record. I get rear-ended a lot when I'm just stopped. I just have, my car is stopped. It's stopped for a while and people just run into me for some reason, but I, I have not caused an accident, knock on wood. So, uh, I, I can drive. Um, I'm not great though in like a go-kart. <laughs> and if you've seen me drive Mario Kart, the kart, the video game, you would agree with that. Uh, it's very hard for me to keep on a course. So I just try to think this joystick thing, that's not a car or wheel. There, there's no scenario where I don't fly directly into the side of a mountain or canyon. But why shouldn't the characters have survived either? Or in the case of this movie, why were they just really stupid? Uh, number one, just throwing this one out there because it needs to be said, physics or science, engineering. I'm not really sure which, and maybe actually all three together. I don't understand physics or science or engineering. So it's not completely clear to me either, but I do know that you can't hover upside down over another aircraft mere feet apart. And this is completely my ignorance talking, but the plane that had the planes had the fin thingies sticking up toward the back of the sticking straight up into the air when the, the plane is upright, right? And so did the enemy plane. So when they're hovering over each other, the fin thingies would have hit each other, right? And aren't there currents or something from the engines? There's force. 
air fire i don't know what it is but th- there's there's a force there that would have played off each other i'm i'm certain of it but i just looked it up and the internet confirmed this is possible is impossible i'm sorry that this is impossible so this wouldn't have happened and i am correct because i trust the internet and all things which is a total lie um number two don't taunt the enemy it's cool in the moment you feel really good about yourself. You you have a little funny quip. Um, you wave at them and make them uncomfortable. But it's inevitable that they are going to come back and bite you in the butt. And if it doesn't, if that situation doesn't come back to bite you in the butt, then it's definitely movie magic. When you're taunting, you're not paying attention. You're distracted. And when you're distracted, the angry enemy can make their move. And why would you want to give them that move when you're just hanging out in the air and again could very easily crash and burn so number three the final reason why i don't think they (laughs) they shouldn't have sort of survived or in the case that they're really stupid and i'm just throwing this last one onto the list because it's always bothered me playing volleyball in the sand with sweaty sweatpants seems like a bad idea and jeans and definitely a bad idea right before a date with your teacher i think that is the biggest red flag somebody comes to your home after this but you know you have this date set and they smell bad because they've just been sweating they keep asking to use your shower they're late so you are not a priority red flag just red flag A few interesting tidbits about the movie. Charlie's older man date at the officer's club. So at the beginning of the movie, when Tom Cruise starts singing, you've lost that loving feeling. She is waiting. Charlie's waiting for a a friend. And that gentleman is the real life Viper. His name is Pete Pettigrew. Haha. He is a very he's a retired Navy pilot and Top Gun instructor, and he actually shot down a MiG during the Vietnam War. He served as a technical consultant on the film. The Pentagon charged Paramount Pictures $1.8 million to use all of their planes and aircraft carriers for the film. Uh, the character portrayed by Kelly McGillis is based on Christine Fox, a civilian flight instructor the producers met on a visit to Myanmar while doing research to prepare for the film. Fox eventually rose through the ranks at the Pentagon, retiring in May of 2014 as acting deputy Se- secretary of defense, the highest post ever held by a woman, woman at the Department of Defense. And the film is credited with starting the home video industry. Originally, VHS tapes were priced at about like $100 when they were first released and were sold mainly to video stores. This film was priced to own immediately upon release, made possible by Pepsi Cola buying ad space at the beginning of the tape. Since then, the pricing of VHS tapes to own right away became a a common practice. So... That's an, another interesting, a lot like Jaws and how they marketed. Another marketing tidbit that I, that I think is fascinating. A few quick words about Top Gun Maverick. If you haven't seen it, it's the shining star of the box office this summer. I loved it. I have been anticipating this movie for literally years, and it did exactly what I hoped it would. It hit me square in the face with two hours of nostalgia, just my favorite thing in the world. Did we need this sequel? Not entirely sure we did. And that became even more apparent during my last rewatch of the original. For a movie that completely failed in expo- exposition and explanation and yet gave a 
predictably satisfying ending, there wasn't really much left to say, let alone 39 years later. And yet they managed a decent job, at least right up to the point when a plane is stolen. Uh, don't want to spoil too much, but all of us, the son Maverick thinks he's Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, which he is technically, but he's not. There are a lot of callbacks to the original movie, flashbacks, the soundtrack, old girlfriends mentioned in one throwaway line, cameos, uh, Miles Teller, who legit looks like he could have been Goose's son. Do I wish Hangman had a little more to do at the end of the movie? Yes. Did I love Bob? Yes. Did I know Bob was Bill Pullman's son at the time? No, I did not. But I love that little tidbit. Did I correctly guess how the movie would end in the first 15 minutes? I absolutely did. But it is so much fun. It has surpassed a billion dollars at the box office. If you have not seen it and you love nostalgia and you were okay with the original, I highly recommend going to see it. But that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals, just like you, who like random conversations about pop culture with someone who really doesn't know what they're talking about, but loves to do it, well, they can join the fun as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook as A Bit of Fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time.